0: Hey y'all, hey, what is up? It is your girl Jemae, and welcome back to the Blonde Misfit Podcast, child. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We love new misfits around here. Make sure that you go on and you download and you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an upload, an episode, none of the good stuff, right? Because I mean, that's why you're here, right? You wanna get a podcast that fuels you up and keeps you hype. Well, I'm your hype girl. And if this is not your first time tuning in, welcome back you know I love me a repeat misfit up in here the gang is growing we are blossoming we are minding our business we are drinking our water and we are putting aloe vera and um aquaphor on our skin because why not luxury you know what I mean I am so excited you guys for another episode this week and this is actually in response to a lot of questions that I have been receiving lately now obviously uh you know I think the, the more your platform grows and the more visible it becomes, the more people start asking you certain questions that you're like, yo, I feel like I've answered this before. But then when you start going through your own Rolodex, you'd be like, actually, I really have it. And so it was interesting to me when I found out that I actually have not fully ever really addressed all of the ways that you can make money as an influencer, because the girls have been confused. And some people really think that this is not a lucrative career. And, um, let me just like really, really, really quickly set the stage for you guys, especially for those of you who like, again, this is your first time tuning in, or, um, you know, you might just know me from the podcast. You might actually not know of all the other things that I do. So bam, I work in nine to five, I work in tech. Um, but outside of that, I run the blonde misfit and the blonde misfit brand. Right. And so we started the website in 2014, early 2015, and then since then, I've launched uh, a YouTube channel. Now I also have an Instagram. I'm act- very active on LinkedIn, have an audience there as well. Um, obviously, you know, with Facebook and Twitter, but then also we have the podcast, also Pinterest and um, the website still runs and a couple of other things. All oh, right. And then like brand campaigns and such. And so Essentially, I have the blog, I have the podcast, I have the social medias as far as like, you know, your your LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. And then I also have like your video platforms like YouTube and now TikTok. I also recently launched an Amazon shop show. So every week you guys can tune in and watch me um, do some live stream hosting uh, and shopping. And hopefully y'all want to shop with me because the girls are on Amazon. And you know what? I know everybody want to call Amazon everything but a child of God. But when you tell me about that two day shipping, sometimes one day. And I can essentially find almost anything that I need there quickly and efficiently. um, You're darn right. I'm going to be on Amazon. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, debate your mama. Don't debate me. So um, out of all of those different streams and things like that, I have been able to monetize in some way, shape or form almost all of them. And uh, the Blonde Misfit is now growing so that we can actually continue to position different opportunities that are coming down the pipeline for other ways to monetize. And so I wanted to sort of dedicate today's episode to discussing a little bit more about that um, and ways you can monetize as an influencer. Now, obviously, this is not all of the ways, right? The creator economy is constantly changing. And so this episode might be very relevant in a year, but it also could be completely different. Who knows? Um, The first thing I always tell people, especially if you want to think about being an influencer, is you have to think long term game and strategy. Um, And we'll get into that in a little bit, because uh, I definitely think that some people need to change their approach. But first of all, um, I'm going to take a little sip of my smoothie. I have started mm, this is so good. I've started making fruit smoothies at night because I'm trying to stop eating by a certain time. Any of y'all are like that? Um, Oh, also, if this is your first time listening, I just want you to know, I really do asking y'all questions and I'm not being rhetorical. I really would love for you to respond. Make sure you are following me on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on all the good things. Everything is in the show notes, but I am literally at the Blonde Misfit across all social media platforms. On TikTok, I have a little under, that little, you know, that little line um whatever it's called under after misfit so it's at the blonde misfit underside. um but other than that like i would love for you guys to hit me up tell me how you like the episode some other questions you might have that i can answer at a later time etc but yeah i've been making fruit smoothies because i've been trying to stop eating by like a certain time at night i'm a night owl by trade but i've been trying to cut down eating after like nine o'clock because one you're supposed to wait three hours before you uh might go to bed but then also um you know i'm just like i'm trying to like you know slim down a little bit i'm not trying to lose weight per se but i'm on like a fitness journey I guess you can say a spiritual fitness journey (laughs) and um so I've I've been trying to do small things but like these fruit smoothies hit okay I put her in a little glass so I feel a little bit more luxurious put a little glass straw in there and baby you can't tell me nothing I feel I feel good I feel decadent um But okay, now that I am quenched, let's get into this. So obviously being an influencer is like something that everybody is talking about. We've been talking about it for years. It has been really fun for me to see the change in how the term is used and how people approach it. Because years ago, if I dared say I was an influencer, people would have been like, oh, so you ain't got no job. So you broke. (laughs) Like being an influencer, influencer slash creating content in, in the hopes of appeasing or influencing other people wasn't seen as like this like amazing, incredible thing that I think nowadays it can be seen as. It Back then, it really was sort of seen as like, a, oh, you don't have anything better to do, so now you do this. Versus today, child, everybody named mama's an influencer. You got dogs out here being influencers. You got people from all walks of life, all sizes, all shapes, all tones, all everything being an influencer and I think it's so great because if you think about it we've been doing influencing since the dawn of time right like think about how many times you didn't talk to your girlfriend and you looked at her nails and you love that nail color she was like oh girl it's opi blah 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 and then next thing you know you was going to cbs and trying to get that color or you was going to the same nail shop because your nail shop ain't have that color now you mad now you're gonna take your business elsewhere that is influencing but over the years, influencing has become a lot more, I guess, commercialized. It's become a lot more marketed and brands and stuff have been tapping into it. So, um, you know, nowadays, the statistics are say something like along the lines of like over 70 percent of brands use influencer marketing. And I can also attest as a quote unquote nano influencer or micro influencer that so many brands also now depend on us smaller content creators to really push out product. So it's one of those things where you don't need a million followers to have a lot of money in the bank. And it really comes down to, I think, being scrappy and resilient, knowing that this industry is constantly changing. But then also that, you know, you have to find your own secret sauce, your own flavor. I definitely would say that also, um, you know, people always talk about this level of being oversaturated in the industries. And even if it might be, I do believe that there is still one you. Like, imagine if people just stopped birthing babies because we were like, the world is oversaturated. Then we wouldn't have no babies. You know what I mean? (laughs) But the reality is each child is its own unique thing. And you as a creator are as well. So before we even get into any of these things, I just want to specify that like, you, you should definitely think about the long term. You should also think about what your unique selling proposition or your unique positioning is. Like what makes you different than like everybody else? And that doesn't have to be some long drawn out or complex thing. You know, it might be something simple. Some people have like a really, really deep Southern twang that makes them really, really fun to listen to when they do videos. Or perhaps you are, you know, somebody who is very, like, don't take this the wrong way if this is you. If it is, I'm so sorry. But, like, if you really average looking and then when you put makeup on, you com- completely transform. There is a gift in that, all right? That's what I'm saying don't take it personal because I would love to learn how to do that. Because when I put makeup on, I literally look like Jame 1.5. I don't elevate. I just literally just steady off. It's almost like we just went up a baby hill. And it's like, ooh, okay, now, the, you know, the skin is a little bit more blurred, <laughs> you know, but... I don't be having like these zero to 10, uh, you know, transformations. And I wish I kind of could because they're so cool. Um, but like, you just need to find what makes you different than everybody else. And you really need to lean into it and you don't need to try to be like anybody else because at the end of the day, they already have their established market and they already doing their own thing. We don't want two of the same thing. Everybody wants something unique and different. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like the first thing I would always say about being an influencer. And so that, but then also making sure you're committed to the long term. This is important for a lot of different reasons. First of all, for 99% of people, it takes a long time or some time to build an online audience. I think today society is very much so a microwavable society where everybody just wants something instantaneously. Everybody wants something super quick and nobody is willing to wait for anything good and I'm just gonna say as a person who loves to eat I would take the oven baked approach or something that I know has been marinating or cooking for a long time over something microwaved almost any day of the week now that's not to say microwavable food ain't good, okay? Anybody who's ever had a Stouffer's, you're right, or some like little heat me up ramen, we know that that thing can bang. You feel me? But at the same time, um, the quality is very different and not as in, in the measurableness of, of that is, is not. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're gonna make it a word today. The measurable factor of it is not the same necessarily as something that you have taken out from the freezer. You've let it marinate, you've let it cool down, you've cooked it, you've sauteed it, all these things. Um, The reason why I say like 99% and not 100% is because obviously with the introduction of platforms such as TikTok in particular... Um, a lot of creators have seen instantaneous growth very quickly, but one thing that I would caution people, and I'm saying caution and not saying that this is wrong because again, everybody is different. Everybody can handle their blessings differently. But one of the things that I have seen and that I think we are seeing happen in real time is that a lot of creators who might find instances su- success on a platform like TikTok, let's say as an example, really haven't even had a chance yet to figure out how to sustain that growth slash really leverage it for something beneficial. And this is why you get people who have 20 million followers on a TikTok or on their Instagram who can't even sell like 15 T-shirts out of their store. Numbers and influence are not synonymous with each other. So I want people to think about that because so often people want to be influencers, but they're not doing anything that is influencing anybody to take action on anything. Now, that could be different than a content creator, right? Because an influencer in many ways is a content creator, but a content creator is not necessarily an influencer. You could just create content just for the heck of it because you just want to create content that goes out into the world. But even so... I have found that it has been the time between the initial initial part of when I first started The Blonde Misfit up until a few years ago, I would say, that really ironed out for me a lot of things. What did I want my brand to be? Who did I wanna be? How do I start paying taxes on this stuff? How do I start thinking outside of the box of, for new opportunities, you know, if something were hypothetically not to work? Like if the blog, if, if like after a few years, I had been relentlessly putting ammunition behind you know, the blog and I noticed that nobody was ever reading it, like ever. I would have had to come to a crossroads. Do you want to keep doing this and just try to figure something out? Or do you now pivot in a different direction? When you have instant growth, sometimes you even, haven't even had a chance to do that. Like I know probably so many TikTokers who didn't even have a business plan in place. And the reason why things like that are not just like business or marketing strategies, but they're really great for business owners and content creators and creatives in general is because now seemingly overnight or over a couple of weeks period, you now have 5, 10, 15, 20 million followers and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to move. But worse You don't even know how to really keep their attention to the point that you can now either move them off platform. Because at the end of the day, keeping anyone on platform is not going to work. Even if you post something on Instagram, right? If I post a brand campaign, the brand is probably hoping that you will leave the platform and then go to their website to purchase. So you have to think not just about amassing these large numbers, but about the strategy of how you plan to keep people moving and nurturing those relationships. I think that it's really important for you to remember, especially if you decide you want to pursue this as a career, being an influencer or content creator, whatever, you have to think about the long-term strategy in that and understanding that sometimes a lot of Good things take time. And so, with that being said, you should be able to put the work in and not always necessarily expect an instantaneous result of that. A lot of people are very, what's the word, um, are very impatient and it hurts them in the long term because it's that patience that really helps nurture your growth. Um, with that being said as far as patience i will absolutely also confirm that for a lot of people myself included y'all know this i have said this many times and i will forever say it because i never want anyone to look at my journey and think that i got this so easily i got this out the mud okay um you i did not make no money (laughs) I didn't make no money y'all. for the longest time I was just so happy with free products and a little bit of exposure from brands I was not trying to shake the table I wasn't advocating for myself and if I could just sit down with myself to you know then today I would have definitely had some things that I would have told her but granted nobody told me and again it was the wild wild west and a lot of things were different but you should not necessarily expect to make money overnight um, uh, building a sustainable business takes many years. And so that is something that I think is so important because people have asked me, so why don't you quit your day job? Because I'm not ready. I like a two week pet salary. Okay. I I need to know because my rent is expensive and my dogs are expensive. I'm expensive. <laughs> and so like, you know, you have to just think about everything that doesn't always have to move so quickly. You need to be able to put the work in. And think of the long term in this. Um, it's just one of those things that I, I sit down and I look at people all the time nowadays who think that they're entitled to something after creating like two little bits of, of content. And I'm just like, that's not how this works. Um, now, granted, it could work for you that way. And if so, God bless you. I'm so happy for you. But as for me, my experience and what I have seen it is the people who have approached this as a long term and not necessarily as an instant grab me that they, that are the ones that are usually the most successful. And so any platform you decide to explore, even if it's something like TikTok or Instagram Reels or something that is kind of promising people nowadays for like instant virality, um, be willing to put in the work. And put it in for a long time without necessarily ever seeing the results of that work. I would much rather sow my seeds and water them and let them really take deep roots so that when they start to blossom, we really know that this is a long term thing. So if I haven't scared you off yet, I'm so happy. <laughs> and so like let's talk a little bit about different ways that you can monetize once you've been putting in the work and you really are there. So the first one is obviously instant. It is obviously instant. It's it's sort of obvious. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, And that is utilizing an existing platform or building something. So again, I have a blog, I create videos, and I also have a podcast. You as a creator can do any of these things as well. I am, I promise you, I am, No more gifted or talented than anybody out here listening to this podcast, but I am extremely disciplined and very hardworking. And so you need to just be able to adopt that mentality and then, you know, create your own product. I tell everybody, business owners, entrepreneurs, consultants, any creative to have a blog or a website. That doesn't mean it has to always be frequently updated. Uh the Blonde Misfit has new content out two to three times a week, but that is because we now have a licensing um uh partnership with a brand, which I'm very, very excited about. And um I wish I could tell you guys more, but your girl can't, but just know that it's lit. Okay. Um but you should have something. Now, you can use something like WordPress or Squarespace. Wix is also one that is very popular. But whatever it is, should just have basic information that exp- essentially shares who you are, what you do, past work, past clients, and then like also things in our areas of opportunity that you're looking for. Video content is obviously understandable because you can share it anywhere. Every platform is looking for video content in some way, shape or form. And it's all about you finding where you want to put that content to really be successful. So, for instance, you might create long form video content that lives on YouTube or you might create shorter form video content that could live on like your LinkedIn or your instagram or pinterest and then you might have even shorter clips that could also live on instagram reels and then maybe even TikTok. everyone loves video content and i would definitely say that if you are a person who likes being in front of a camera or likes kind of the visual element of things you should definitely explore it now i wanted to add the visual element to that sentence because i know some business owners may not necessarily want to be in front of the camera. They might be camera shy. They might be more introverted. They might just want the work to speak for itself. And let me just say this. It can. You do not always have to be in front of the camera in order to make a sale or prove a point. You could do something like either user-generated content, which is when other people create content that you repurpose and share, or... If you um you know have the camera, you can always shoot it on whatever it is that you're actually doing and then clip it. So for instance, like let's say you're a a hair salon owner, you can have the clip, you know, the the camera shooting uh on the person on your client's head as you're doing it and then you chop that up and then that's the video of the before and after. People love that content. I love that content. Do y'all know how much wig content I consume? Me the girl who has locks, who is not even has not even wearing wigs. OK, I want to wear a wig. I don't know when I'll let y'all know when. But like, <laughs> like, I just love it because it's so therapeutic to watch. I just thoroughly enjoy watching it and other people will as well. So don't sleep on video content and don't think that just because you are not someone who wants to be in front of the camera, it means that it's not for you. You just have to reposition your strategy. And then I also mentioned, you know, using a podcast of some sort. If you're a talker, getting into podcasting is great. One of the things I've recently started doing is incorporating content so that my podcast also has a visual element so I can share it on like YouTube. Again, going back to that video consumption. But for you, if you just want to do a podcast, there are many ways that you can do it. I have shared with you guys different things that I've done. You guys have heard the audio change any 80 million times. Sometimes I add sounds in there. Sometimes I don't. I know that there are ads that now run on the podcast as well. Like there are just so many different things that you can do. But I will just say that, you know, anything that you explore, just do it because like, that is what you want to do. And not because you think that that's going to be Um that that's going to be what's what's going to get you, you know, to be successful because you can instantly i think feel when it's not organic and when it's disingenuous. You know what I mean? And um I just personally just have always been a person who believes that you should just do what really works for you. That is why you know, my podcast might grow up in a, in, in many ways, but for the most part What you guys hear in the kind of format you get now is what you guys got two years ago because this is what I want my podcast to be. I want it to feel like you sitting with a friend and we chit chatting, right? Um, But again, it's up to you. But the first step would definitely be to think of and create a product of some sort. And that doesn't mean something to sell, but you need to have a presence established somewhere. The next one is one that a lot of people talk about um, and that I've actually started getting into more recently, and that is signing up for affiliate marketing programs. So um, affiliate marketing programs are really great ways to make money. Uh, They essentially, it's like when, okay, like if I were to provide a product or service in exchange for you linking, uh, no, like if someone were to provide a product or service, in exchange for someone linking to their site and bringing them new customers. So for instance, I have Amazon Associates, which is an affiliate program through Amazon. So if I find a product on Amazon, I can get a very custom link. And when I share it to you guys, when you guys click that link and you shop, you Amazon then pays me a dividend. Now, I know that some people don't like talking about stuff like this because for whatever reason, people start thinking that as soon as I say affiliate link, that all of a sudden that means I'm lying, I'm conniving, and I'm cheating, and I'm stealing. And that's just not true. I literally would share that link with you guys anyway. But this time, I now get a percentage of the cut. Now, these aren't large percentages usually. Okay, I'm talking like sometimes down as low as 1% to 2%. So that. I don't know, $70 bottle of perfume that I recommended that you bought, I might get $1.50 from it, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, I like to also tell people that part because I think that sometimes people think that um, uh, like uh, affiliate marketing is just the most lucrative thing and that we just exploiting everybody. And I don't know about anybody else, but I can only speak for Jim A.D. Jackson, I only recommend products that I absolutely stand behind, usually products that I've already purchased or if a brand is sending them to me, I always let them know in advance. I may or may not suggest this to my readers based upon how I feel about the product. And so it also takes a lot, like a a large volume of sales to really see some dividends. And so in that example that I just used, I would have to sell a lot of those $70 perfumes in order to even do anything that would resonate in my bank account if I'm only getting $1.50 from it. Now, when you have a larger following, especially if you have a very engaged following, that is when it gets really beneficial. But you don't even need a large following because if you think about it, if you have at least 200, 250 followers who are super, super in tune with you and they follow you for a very specific reason and they really want your suggestions on particular things, those 250 people can really do a lot of damage because child, what is, let me see, hold on, because now I'm about to do some Googling. Because I, I I'm going to see 250 times 1.5. That's 375 dollars. So the if I if 250 people bought that 70 dollar perfume that I recommended, I could get 375 dollars. Now again, I'm I'm just using arbitrary numbers, y'all. So please don't don't read into this way too much, okay? Um. So it that is one of those things where it's like it could work. Now if you look on the flip side of that, if I've also sold 250 of that $70 product, I've also just made the the business almost $18,000. And I've only gotten 375 of it, even though they might have necessarily not gotten that drive because of me. So, I, I say that because affiliate marketing is a great way to go I mean I again I use that because I have an Amazon associates you know account um, I also have used other apps like reward style I also have used magic links and so there are definitely other op- ways that you can do this uh, but the they are you know somewhat lucrative. But again, you have to just kind of do a lot of it. So um, this was really great. I think if you're a business owner, if you want to promote products and services, um, but then again, you know, become an affiliate for multiple companies. A lot of these places, they don't. You don't need a high barometer, or barometer, barometer. Um, of followers or anything like that to get started i don't remember necessarily the numbers that i had at the time when i applied for reward style um i most recently was more accepted into amazon associates but i know people with significantly smaller followings who have also gotten in so it's just about doing the research and testing and throwing and throwing things to the, to the wall and seeing what sticks Affiliate marketing is a great way for you to monetize your influence. Um, But again, it's not the only thing. So another thing that you can do is actually selling products. And this is one that I have not done yet, but it is on the horizon for me um, in due time. Again, I'm just kind of focusing on some other big projects that I have, the ones that you guys see, others that you guys don't but i do know of a lot of people who have done this and it is very very lucrative or it can be. and so when i talk about selling products this can be interpreted a couple of different ways. um some people have created ebooks and all an ebook is is essentially uh, an opportunity for you to sort of put the knowledge that you've amassed or something of some sort into a book. I know some people who have literally done something as simple as take their previously published blog posts and have put them all in an ebook and now they sell in the ebook. And the best part is ebooks, uh, you can list them on different things. And so sometimes you might list them on Amazon. Sometimes people might open them up as Etsy, you know, on their Etsy stores, or they might just have a link in bio and, you know, you just put in your credit card information and then like you know they have the automated download where you can just download the pdf version or or something um but it's a really great because it it kind of establishes for more for passive income so essentially what that means is instead of you actively having to constantly do something you can just keep making money you know as long as it's up and alive anyone can stumble on your ebook even if you made it three years ago and purchase it and then you would still make money from it. So I really think that ebooks are great um, slash, you know, building digital products are great because you can just keep making money and money and money. And when you think about how a lot of rich people are, wealthy people, I should say, are wealthy, it's because oftentimes they have built systems and operations in place so that they're making money even in their sleep. And so I think that this is just such a cool thing and I've loved seeing how more people are doing it. I think also this is one of those opportunities where you do not need, again, a million followers to do. You just need to be able to market it very well and you need to have an established audience who's hungry for what it is that you are going to put out. So... Let's say, for instance, you uh have already have a website and you talk about different things like yoga or fitness or wellness. You could create an ebook that talks about how to stay healthy and fit on vacation. And then you could also build like an e-course or something on how to like do the yoga poses at home. And you know, those things can work simultaneously. You could sell them separately, you could sell them as a two-for-one bundle deal, baby. You can do a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> And so I think that this is also just really awesome because if you are a lifestyle creator like I am, um, I, I kind of changed that title for myself a while ago because I used to just focus solely on fashion and beauty. But then when I started to realize that I was talking about so much more in the industry than just shopping the clothes we wear or the makeup products we do. But I was talking about my pets. I was talking about wellness. I was talking about fitness for myself. I was talking about mental health. I was talking about all these other things. I kind of then rebranded myself as a lifestyle creator. So if you are a lifestyle creator, you probably have a ton of different interests. And so the good thing is you don't have to choose. You don't have to just narrow down into the niches anymore. You can fully explore all of the different things that you're interested in, the things that get you excited. Um, and I think that a great way to do that is by doing different things for different interests. So maybe launching the e-course for one thing or an e-book for another, etc. So yeah. Um, building digital products is really, really great. Obviously, if you are listening and you are already a business owner who is a product-based business or even a service-based business, you probably already know all about these. And you also know the importance of having your own website because then you can sell through your own website. Now, one thing I have heard in the past, and don't quote me on this because I... I'm just now thinking of this as I'm talking, so I don't wanna like, you know, misinform you all with information, but I do know of a couple of people who have sold their books through something like an Amazon, like as, you know, their ebook through Amazon, And the there are pros and cons to any of these things. Usually the pros are you already have an established audience. Like think about Amazon, everybody who goes to Amazon every single day because they need something. Right. Like once you get your ratings up and you get your stars up and all that good stuff, like you will rank higher and you probably have a better opportunity of going mass scale with it because now you have access to all of the people who go on this platform versus like if you were just trying to sell it through your website well only if, if only five people come to your website each month it might be like okay dang i don't know if i'm really gonna make a sale the flip side of that which again you know this is one of the immediate flips that i can think of is that you have to pay usually a seller's fee so let's say for instance and again these are just numbers i'm thinking of i'm just making up so don't go out there telling amazon i said nothing okay? Um, but like, let's say if you list the book at $15, um, Amazon might take, you know, 60, you might take 30 or that's not, that's not 100, 65, 35 <laughs> or like 70, 70 30. Right. Or, or, you know, and it might be opposite. Maybe you might clear the 70 and Amazon might put, might clear the 30, for some people, that doesn't matter to them because they're like, well, still I'm getting the dividends because I'm getting higher quality and volume of sales. But for other people, you might be thinking about the money that you're leaving out on the table because now you got to pay other people because they have to host it. So those are, you know, just different things to think about. But I definitely think that as a content creator slash influencer, you can absolutely create digital products and share them with your established community or partner with a larger brand for exposure um, into other things next let's talk about increasing the value of you okay um this is one of the hardest lessons that i had to learn but i'm so happy that over the past few years in particular i've advocated for myself more as far as payment and for the most part it has landed very well increasing your value means charging more And so I say this because oftentimes when you're first starting out as an influencer, you might be ready to take just any kind of money. And I personally have believed that, look, $50 is better than nothing. Right. For me personally. But at some point or another, you have to start asking for more because at the end of the day, you've amassed more knowledge. You've worked with more people. You've done more things. So you can't stay in the same place financially and expect to grow any type of way now i'm gonna be very honest and transparent with you guys you know there used to be a time when i would charge uh you know a brand maybe i don't know a hundred dollars to create content um or to do consulting for them or to create you know lifestyle content for them based upon the blonde misfit name following etc And then, uh, you know, I looked up one day and I had to remind myself, yo, you've worked with clients like, you know, Google, like Microsoft, like constant contact. You have worked with Capital One Shopping and you've worked with AARP the magazine. Like these are not no little brands. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not bragging right now. I'm just being honest because I want a free someone who's listening to this podcast right now, I want to free you from the spirit of uh you undercharging yourself. When I had to sit down and tell myself of the brands that I was working with and these were like Fortune 500, Fortune 100, some of them even Fortune 50 companies, I said, "You know what? I need to go up and rate." Now, you how you determine your pricing is how you determine your pricing and that could be in its own entire uh podcast episode because the reality is there is just like no standardization across the industry as to what you should charge and i like that because i read a lot of content nowadays of people who say based upon your following you should charge this and i'm thinking to myself and you gonna stay broke You are going to say bro, if you just keep charging like this little bit for all of the work. First of all, you need to read your contracts because half these brands are asking you to give you things in, per- in perpetuity, which means that they will have your content forever. So one day you could be out here with 50 million followers or 50 million clients or 50 million units sold. And they will still be running your ad, obviously now making money off of you continuously, first of all. But two, probably even making more money off of you now that you have grown in influence and you not even getting the money from that. No, 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 no. You need to ask yourself a couple of things, right? So like let, this is, I guess, more for the person who has already sort of been doing things. You've already started to make some money and now you're trying to figure out how to go up from here. You need to ask yourself how much is your time worth? You literally need to quantify your time. I know what one hour of my work is worth because I have literally (laughs) had sessions. I've done beauty consultation sessions and I have sat down and brands have said, based upon this hour of work, this is the amount we will pay you. And when they gave me that number, I said, I will never go lower than this. I may go higher, but I'm not going lower than this. You need to find out how much is your time worth. And that to answer that, that could be a couple of different ways. You might go the the route that I just said, where you've worked with somebody or a different brand or something like that in the past, and based upon the numbers that they have given to you, you knew what you were worth, and then you've justified it from there. Alternatively, you could also do other things that I've done, which is like, if you have a campaign or something of the sort, you sitting down and thinking okay, but how much time is it gonna really take for me to execute? And, and therefore, you're sort of charging on like a per hour basis for the campaign. So let's say, for instance, I have, I'm trying to give you guys examples so that those who are visual people can kind of understand a little bit better. Let's say, for instance, a big brand came and they asked me to, to shoot content for them and share it on my Instagram. And the deliverables were something like uh, five Instagram posts and three Instagram stories, okay? So that's eight pieces of content right there. You have to break down what those eight pieces of content are. First of all, I'm probably gonna have to hire my professional photographer who's gonna charge me her rate for it, okay? So that all automatically goes into the pot. Second of all, now we have to think about the timing. So, do we need an instant turnaround? How long do we have before the deliverables are needed? Do we need to do image retouching? Are you going to give me the products or do I need to now go out and I need to purchase them on my own because I'm going to actually charge you back on the invoice for all of the things that I have to buy for the campaign? Also, you have to think to yourself, "Okay, but once I have this the the po- the images, now I got to sit down, and I got to create the copy." I got to draft it up. More than likely, you probably will also have to send it to the brand for approval before it goes live. Same thing with the stories. And then you also have to think about other factors that are involved because now you have to think, okay, am I going to be promoting the different products? How are we going to shoot? How are we this? How are we that? And some brands may come back and forth with you because they have different ideas as to, you know, certain things that they want to adjust, etc. And so you need to be able to quantify what is your time worth? Do you want to do a blanket where it's like, okay, for every video, I'm going to charge $150, $200. Or do you want to do it where, uh, look, I will charge you based upon the hours. If this takes me eight hours of work, look, my hourly rate is $100 an hour. So this campaign is going to set me back at least $800. So then you go in with that. Then from there, you have to add talked about the value of your expertise. Now, this is really why I believe that you cannot have a blanket statement for people as far as like saying, if you have a thousand followers, charge this amount, etc. Because the value of your experience does not justify your follower count. My experience is in the fact that I have worked with and consulted with these companies. Some of them that I just named a few minutes ago, others that you can find on my website, jemajackson.com, others that you guys have seen on my other social media platforms. That is the value of my experience. Because now if a new brand came to me, And they asked me, Jamae, can you consult with us and figure out our marketing campaign for this new multicultural hair product we want to launch? I can build upon the experience that I have done when I have gone to bigger, 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 bigger brands, again, Fortune 100 companies, and I have literally saved them probably from a PR nightmare. There is value in your experience, whatever that is. You might be a business owner right now who wants to work with someone or someone wants to work with you. And you, you know what it has cost you. You know what it's like to be your own videographer and social media consultant and your own uh, PR manager and your own assistant and your own this. There is value in your experience, but you need a charge for it, boo. What is the value of your brand? Now, this one's a little bit harder right because it's hard sometimes for us to put value on the things that we love it was very hard for me for a long time to start thinking about the value of the blonde misfit and even if someone else doesn't necessarily see the value in my brand I know what value I bring to the table based upon the kind of content that we create there are very few and y'all tell me tell me be, be honest keep me honest okay There are very few content creators nowadays who actually create thought provoking and informative content, but still give you like the lifestyle blogger feel. Am I right or am I right? Because what's happened is the worlds of mine have merged where I'm still a corporate baddie. Okay, shout out to DeAndre Brown. I love him. But I'm still a corporate baddie who works in corporate spaces, who has worked at companies like Yahoo and BuzzFeed and um, now LinkedIn and uh, other places where I've created business analysis content for places like Allure and Teen Vogue and Business of Fashion, Refinery29, etc. But then I also have my own feel of being a unapologetic black girl who is here to show you why we need more diversity and representation in the fashion and beauty industry through her brand, The Blonde Misfit. So what does this mean? This means you can't treat me like no regular degular schmegular blogger because I'm not because my experience and the value that I have brought have shown and have transcended more than just like the little ethers of like being in the, being a blogger or a content creator. Again, Humble brag, but I'm here to just because I want to educate you guys because I don't want you to fall in the same trap of thinking that you don't have anything of worth to bring to somebody, that somebody else is has something to bring to you, but you're not bringing anything to the table. You are very much so bringing something to the table. If you are a nano or a micro Black influencer who can move, push weight with your creators, with the people who listen to you, with your audience, you have value. It doesn't matter if you go to a Fortune 500 company, a Fortune 1000 company, or someone who just got a couple of dollars and they just need some help, you have value. Point an example, think of all the black influencers who came up summer 2020 because now they had something that other people wanted to hear in response to the murder of George Floyd. And even though I could get on a whole tangent about that child, because I mean, I did have my own thoughts and opinions, but I'm keeping it to myself, keep it cute and professional. I'm mind my business because that's what Auntie Tabitha would tell me to do. But the point is you have value in your brand and the things that you you say and the things that you do have value so stop sleeping on yourself and thinking that you can't do something because you feel like you're too small or not qualified enough or you don't have the resources enough because other people see the value in your brand so you need to see it as well all right honey got off all my high horse child okay um so there are other ways obviously that you can make money right um and you can do obviously another big one is building campaigns so essentially utilizing your currently existing platforms and a brand paying you to be a part of a campaign that they may be running and these campaigns can be different they can be about building exposure they could be about selling a product in particular or something unique that they want to share with people it's all different and all sort of dependent upon the different things that you do and how you go about it. That being said, those can be very lucrative. And in fact, those have sort of been my biggest kind of, I would say, money makers in general. It's by doing things like sponsored ads, sponsored posts, um, partnerships with brands that I, I am already uh, very uniquely tied to, or that I already support. Um, and again, these are ones that I definitely would say that the brand and make sure that it is in alignment with who you are, who your brand is and what you want to do. So two really great examples here. Um, and really quickly is, uh, like, I've talked before about I've done campaigns with Constant Contact. I've done it with QuickBooks. I've done a campaign with um, AARP. So on paper, those might not be brands that you would naturally associate with The Blonde Misfit, considering I focus a lot on like fashion and beauty content. Okay. But Constant Contact is actually the people who, for years, I have used to send out my newsletter. By the way, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you're going to need a child. Look, look, go just look down in the show notes. It's right there. OK, go on and sign up. Get your life together. Be blessed. OK, it's great. Um. But Constant Contact is already a brand that I'm very familiar with with the products because I already use them for my business. So even though to the naked eye, it would have been like, yo, why is she partnering with them? It makes sense for me because it is a brand that I already know, I already trust, I already love. Same thing with QuickBooks. I had just started using QuickBooks only a few months prior to the opportunity with the campaign, but it happened and it oh, so seamlessly and organically because... They happen to be looking for small business owners for features and I'm a small business owner, but I also have already used their platform before as far as, you know, tracking invoices and ensuring that we have receipts for everything so that when tax season comes around, we're prepared. AARP was also another one that I absolutely loved working with because a lot of people don't know this, but AARP was like my first big girl job. I worked at AARP the magazine twice while I was in school. Um, I found the job through Ed 2010, which is still around. So if you are a journalist or someone who um, is trying to break into journalism of some sort, I would definitely recommend still checking out Ed 2010. Great things happen on that website and I was so thankful for the experience and I was so thankful to work at AARP because it really was what solidified for me that I wanted to pursue this as a career Um, journalism that is and so I already had a special place in my heart for the magazine and then so when they came to me with an opportunity to essentially say how can we empower financial literacy and financial empowerment for women of all ages i could get behind it because that's exactly what i do it just happened to also be on a platform that i have supported for years so i say that because sometimes we box ourselves in way too small Thinking that we can't do something or be a part of something because we're trying to just do this or focus on that. And the reality is, I could have brought fashion and beauty into any of those campaigns, right? But it's also about, again, thinking long term. Well, what is the long term strategy of your brand? I don't want to be talking about the same things in my brand today that I was talking about five years ago. The same way as in five years from now, when I'm in my mid 30s, I don't want to be talking about the same things. That I'm talking about now at 29. So it's one of those things where you have to think to yourself, okay, how do I partner with brands that really fulfill where the brand, where where my brand is at, but also can kind of grow and 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 um, develop over time. Because you know, I think what sometimes happens is like you think about a lot of things that you did when you were younger, and you'd be like, "Lord, I hope that does never resurface." Same same general concept <laughs> as an influencer. Same thing. You might be like, "Lord, why did I take that money?" And you're like, "Well, the bills have to get paid, child, and they do." Okay, I'm not telling you. Okay, look, your your misfit bestie is not telling you guys. Do not say yes to the check. Um, but what I'm saying is just be discerning of what you say yes to because you don't want anything ever tied to you, your brand, your business, your goals, your life, your mantra, no nothing um, that is not in full fulfillment of what you say you stand for. So yeah um, and then obviously with any of these things I think that what's really important is to just always remember to incorporate metrics and analytics. Now you might not be as much of a numbers person. Um, I know I certainly am not like my brain does not necessarily just go to data first Um, I'm very much so a big concept thinker and then I get into the details I get into the creatives and then the last thing I usually naturally think about is numbers what I want to tell you is that numbers drive things numbers drive decisions numbers drive impact so no matter how cool and popping you think you are you have to have the numbers to back it up And now the good thing is the numbers don't have to be um, inflated and exhaustive and they don't have to be in the millions. You just have to be able to back up what you say. So, for instance, if you want to go to a brand and say, I, on average, can convert, I have a pretty high CTR, a click through rate, right, where a lot of people will click on my links if I suggest them share with them an example of a post that you have done on Instagram or on your blog or whatever with those numbers involved. Nowadays, the data is just there for y'all. Like, you can literally open up your Instagram. I, I know as a creator account, you can do this. I'm assuming you can do this on any account through Instagram. TikTok, the same way. YouTube, the same way. Even your blogs, like WordPress. I have Jetpack and I have Sitekit and I have all the other things to see what I'm doing. I can see where the money is coming from. I can see what people are doing. I can see drop off rates. I can see even this podcast right now. In about seven days, I will be able to see when y'all stop listening, who listened to the end, like not like literally who, because I, I don't know that information. Um, but like I can see where people are listening from, all that stuff. Those things are valuable. And when I tell you guys about understanding the value of your brand, that is what I'm talking about. Did you know that this podcast is listened to by people around the world? I'm not even lying, y'all. I'm not lying. I, I I don't know how, but I have a nice little audience up in the UK. Hey, all my UK kids, all the UK girls. Okay, I have people in Asia. I have people in Africa. Are you listen to me in Brazil. Brazil always comes through for the girl. I think it's because Brazil has a really large black population. I'm I'm not mad at it, but me being able to go to an advertiser and tell them that I have a internationally listened to lifestyle podcast is invaluable now I can put a number on that but me being able to show them levels the ground of impact to the point that now they have to also think about okay well what we can we bring to the table because we know what she's bringing and the same thing for you even if it's just a few sales even if it's a few views even if it's a few uh you know comments and engagement and whatever else screenshot and document all of those things all of those things are invaluable and they help you make your advocacy work a little easier when you start negotiating things like pay and rate and scale and opportunities don't get out here and just not have numbers be equipped with the numbers but don't let the numbers lead you sometimes i find that uh, people want to sway their strategy fully based upon the numbers. And I do believe that there's a time and a place. I do think that numbers can be a little bit more for discerning factors, so you can kind of gauge and see if your audience has an appetite. But I also believe that if I had just followed the numbers a long time ago, there would be a lot of things that are now successful within my brand that would have never happened because I would have stopped doing them because at the time they weren't successful. So I believe that you should have the vision, you should stick to what you know, (laughs) oh my goodness I go okay well as you guys Ah. can see she is she just woke up it means it's time to go okay so Ah. I would say make sure that you have the vision you have the 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 aspect of the things that you want in your life and the things that you want for your brand keep those things front and center let those things be your north star and work towards them every day but also have the numbers to back up the claims that you say that you can the the claims that you make but then also to back up and justify the asks that you now go to especially when you start doing things like sponsorships and brand deals All right, y'all. So I know this is a long episode, but hopefully you all were taking notes. Hopefully you guys are now equipped with a little bit more information that you had coming into this. And I hope you guys really like this because I um, have always been on a mission to educate and inspire. Um, And I want to make sure that other people who are just getting started, whether you have $100 in the bank, $10 in the bank or, you know, Uh, a hundred followers that you know that there is space out here in this world for you, that the gifts that God has given you are not void because other people are doing it. And just because you see other people doing something similar does not mean anything because what you're going to do is what you're going to do. And that don't got nothing to do with anybody else. All right. So I just want to inspire you to get out there, to get to creating to get to inspiring, to get to influencing, to get to building the life that you want. At the end of the day, I, Jemay Jackson, as well as the Blah Misfit, is simply here to show you that the life that you want is a life worth fighting for. And I absolutely believe that. So, y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please go on and share it with the family, friend, member, boo thing, random person on the street, whatever. Take a screenshot, post, post post it in IG stories, tag me so I can repost you at the blonde misfit. Um, just share some love. I would love it. Make sure you leave a five star rating and review if you're listening in Apple Podcasts. It really helps your girl out. And I will see you all in the next episode. Also, hit me up on any of my social channels if there are other topics you guys want me to talk about. But in the meantime, stay blessed, stay beautiful, stay black, but only if you black. But most importantly, stay misfit. Love you guys.